Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about SaaS sales done right, how to build a CRM product that actually sells. Today, we have our guest, John Golden, joining us. John is a global renowned sales and marketing thought leader and currently the chief strategy and marketing officer at Pipeliner CRM, which is a unique CRM that provides both salespeople and sales management various ways of displaying and analyzing sales data with instant dynamic visualization that enables rapid, rapid adoption rates aiming for better user experiences. John is also an Amazon bestselling author of two books, Winning the Battle for Sales, Lessons on Closing Every Deal from the World's Greatest Military Victories, and Social Upheaval, How to Win at Social Selling. He has done over 600 video interviews of thought leaders for Sales Pop, an online sales magazine, and also, and also has a podcast with over almost 300 audio interviews. So welcome, John. Super excited to have you on SAS District Show today. Yeah, thank you, Akil. Thank you very much. Sweet. So uh, obviously, for those in our audience who maybe don't know your background, can you share how you formulated the idea, how you joined and became part of this, this CRM SaaS product built for sales team? You know, I think you started in 2014 and then you guys joined. I think you joined in 2016. Obviously, you have yeah. that long term background in sales and, and leadership. Yeah. So um, so where it came from is that uh, is, is in my background, I was in uh, I was running a sales consulting company at the time called Hothwaite, which was most people know as uh, spin selling Neil Rackham's uh, research and, and book. And one of the issues that I'd always come across during that time was uh, that it was great to go in and do sales training and help and sales performance improvement and really help salespeople. But it was always really hard to get this, to get any of the behaviors, et cetera, embedded in the CRM that they were using. It, it would just, the, the CRMs, the traditional CRMs just weren't built for, uh, for ease of, of customization, for ease of embedding, um, processing. Like they weren't really process engines per se, they're really reporting engines for for management. So um, then when I I left uh, uh, when I left Hathwaite and was moving on, I was starting up my own um, small con- management consultancy. And one of my first um, customers was uh, Nicholas Kimler, the founder and CEO of Pipeliner. And he had this Pipeliner CRM and he had this new CRM that he he had started building in around 2014. And what I liked about it was he was coming from a sales centric point of view. And when he showed me the original product, I thought, oh, hang on a second. Here is here is a product that can actually actually support sales improvement, support salespeople properly, you know, embed process, all of those things. So he asked me to come on board. Uh, to partner with him to to bring this to market and and that's what we've been uh, doing together since uh, 2016. Very cool. So it seems like you obviously believed in the product when he showed you kind of initial stages. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of things out there built. You said for sales managers, but yeah, I've seen that countless times. Right, you have salespeople. You're trying to give them to do a CRM, but they're used to you know spreadsheet or you know how they do it, and to get them to adopt to use a software that isn't you know necessarily easy or helping them. What's the point, right? So that's cool that you guys actually found something. In a specific yeah, niche. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. A- absolutely. Because traditional CRM was really built from a management point of view. It was built to extract information and run reports for management. And there was never really anything in it for the salespeople themselves. So we took a different approach and we thought if we build something that, you know, people use what they like, if people like the system and then use it, then they'll input the data and the management will then 
get exactly what they're looking for. Uh, mm. They'll get the accurate data and be able to run reports properly and all that good stuff. But it starts with actually driving usage and adoption by the salespeople themselves. Mm. Now, ha- just before we get into more more details around mm-hmm. that, have you guys raised any external capital? Uh, are you guys completely bootstrapped? Just to give a, our listeners an idea of how you know big size you guys are, where you guys are in your kind of journey. Um, yeah, we're 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 a private company. We have some mm-hmm. private investors, uh, and uh, you know, other than that, uh, we we don't have major outside investment. We're kind of self-contained. Cool. Um, so, you know, obviously, for those in our audience who aren't familiar, CRMs, customer relationship man- man- uh, management, are obviously where platforms where SaaS companies, sales teams, managers are using to manage their customer relations. Um, you know, at the time, so you mentioned, you know, there was a problem for, for the market, but, you know, right now there's over 600 options in the market. Uh, I don't know how many there was at that time. What did you, what else did you feel that was missing? Um, and you thought you could, you can kind of fit in, you know, fill in that gap for, for that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting point where you say, yeah, the 650 or whatever, I think G2 Crowd has something like 650 CRMs listed on it. I think the problem is, a lot of the problem is that the term CRM uh, is ill-defined to begin with. Uh, I think there's solutions in there that are not really CRM. There's a lot of point solutions. There's a lot of solutions that have, you know, kind of limited CRM capabilities and they're kind of passed off as CRM. So yeah, it's become a crowded space, but I think it's also become a confused space in many ways uh, because people don't understand or people aren't focused and understanding exactly exactly what they need. And that's why I, I find that uh, sometimes you see companies, I mean, a classic example, maybe um, some of the companies that start off with something else like project management or marketing, and then they just tag on something and call it CRM. And basically it's just a little kind of basic contact, contact management with a little bit of like maybe a sales Processy thing thrown in, but it's not really CRM. So I think that's part of the problem. Is it's a is there's a lot of there's a lot of point solutions. There's part a lot of limited solutions, and there's a lot of solutions where CRM isn't really their core. So in many ways, if you're looking for real sales CRM, there isn't actually as many options as you would think. Mm. And and at the initial stages, so when you joined 2016, you know he, you were kind of building out the product. You were trying to take this out to market. What was kind of your, you know, go-to market strategy? How did you guys find, at what point did you realize you had product market fit? And, you know, what were the practices maybe you and your sales team were able to kind of find your ideal customers in that, that early stages? Um, yeah. So one of the things that we did is um, that we're not we're not your typical company. We don't do things in the in the typical way as a lot of other SaaS companies or startups who would have gone out and, uh, you know, tried to get Series A capital and then dumped a ton of money into marketing, into Google ads and all that good stuff. And that's kind of traditionally what what people have done. Instead, we took the opposite approach in fact in many ways is that we focused very much on the product itself and we poured all of our time and resources and energy into making the product be the best product that it could possibly be again to empower salespeople to be successful and companies to be successful so so we took a very kind of if you like a steady approach of focusing on the product and then going out to market with with a, maybe a a content marketing and educational approach and that's how we started to attract in, in initial customers because people could see the difference in the CRM and the difference in our approach and that we were really heavily invested in improving 
improving sales performance and helping professionalize sales and really supporting what we see the most, one of the most critical audiences out there of salespeople, because let's face it, sales is your, is your interface with the market in general. So you can have all the fancy marketing, um, just slogans and everything in the world and strategies. But at the end of the day, most customers interact with your sales team initially or and uh, and that's where they really kind of get the culture of your organization. So yeah, so we focus very heavily on, on the product. We work really closely with our customers. We continue to build up the product to where it's the best product it could possibly be best product on on the market and then through content marketing and other kind of innovative ways we reached out and find our ideal customers cool so very kind of product-led growth is is kind of what you've been focusing mm-hmm. on yeah right yeah. yeah so you mentioned you previously worked with that firm i can't remember the name that developed you know that Huthway, spin selling Huthways. Mm-hmm. Huthways. so they, they developed a spin selling method i've read that book you know awesome awesome book that i i think you know everybody should read it's been a few years since I read it. Do you still believe in you know that method being still most effective today, or do you think things have changed, or do you recommend anything else? Um, yeah. Um, no, I mean I would still recommend people uh, because at the end of the day, the essence of of spin selling is asking good questions and listening to the answers and then going deeper. Uh, so so it's it's a it's a nice methodology and it's a nice framework for helping you go deeper with. Uh, with a prospect and really understand their needs and make sure that you're not, uh, you're not jumping in on, on the first thing that a, that a prospect mentions and trying to solve that problem because that may not be a problem that they care to solve or has any urgency around it. So I would highly recommend people uh, doing that. I also think that, uh, that you can really stand out today as a salesperson, if you have good questioning techniques, if you have good research uh, techniques. So I think today's successful salesperson is part researcher, part micro, micro marketer, and then um, business acumen is a huge part of it. And then being able to ask really good questions. And I think, and it sounds so simple and you hear it all the time. People say like, you know, good sales or top salespeople ask really good questions, mm-hmm. but it's the truth. They do ask really good questions and they listen to the answer, because that's the important part. They also listen to the answers and then they dive down, they dive in a little deeper and expand upon things, etc. And therefore, that becomes a valuable dialogue in itself. And I Mm -hmm. think that's the that's the important thing that you actually are creating value from the get go through the interactions and conversations you're having with the with the prospects. So, yeah, I would highly I would highly recommend it. I think um, obviously times have changed, but I think that fundamental, you know, the more things change, the more some things stay the same. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good word to use uh, conversation, right? It's not just. It's it's not mm-hmm. just thirty minutes of you giving a demo and talking continuously no. nonstop and not giving people a chance to to say anything. Uh, any other kind of unconventional sales tips, strategies? Maybe you can re- recommend to our audience because you know I have a lot of SaaS founders. Maybe are not as uh, you know experienced on the sales front, but maybe they want to start implementing it or things they can try out themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the other things is is to really kind of identify who your who your customer is, frankly. Um, and I think that's and that sounds like kind of trite, but it's not. It's uh, I think especially for people when they're starting off, and that you know that tends to be like everybody's my customer because I just want right. as much business as I can get. Um, I think really narrowing down and understanding who your who your who your buyer is is incredibly important. Yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. Minimizing kind of customer turnover churn, 
I think is obviously essential for any, any SaaS company, right? It's the way you're going to scale. And then obviously any customer success team, how are you guys managing retention in this super competitive space, especially when you're competing with some of the big names, right? Like HubSpot, Salesforce, and, and, and many others. Yeah, and I think that's a. I mean, that's a that's a good question. But it's funny. It's like, yeah, we're competing with a lot of big guys, but uh, but often that's their their Achilles' heel in many ways because uh, we we get customer retention because we we really engage with our customers. We try to make them successful. We we stay in contact with them. We constantly we're constantly improving the product that they get. Uh, uh, I mean, we do often we do monthly releases of of uh, enhancements and new features and stuff. So we're constantly bringing new things to, to our customers. Um, you know, we engage with them. We provide them with, a, as I said, through SalesPop, we provide them with a lot of fantastic uh, content to help them and their salespeople. It's even embedded in the platform. So I think, I think the, it's like, uh, in many ways, it's like the big companies are set up in such a way as there's a real hierarchy there. I mean, if you're a huge customer, you get a attention. If you're a mid-sized customer, you get a bit of attention. If you're a smaller customer, you don't get any attention. We right. give attention. We give attention to everybody. And I think that's the difference. I think it's really at the end of the day, it's the product and the people. That's what I always say. It's like pipeline of the product and pipeline of the people. The way that we engage and work with customers is what retains them. And then the product dry and they realize, yeah, this is the product that our salespeople will use. So they get the ROI, they get the adoption. But so that's how we drive retention. Any kind of uh, anything to share on that kind of, so you're talking about you engage your, your customers, you speak to them. You know, you, you see a lot of people that probably have like an onboarding cycle. Maybe the first 30 days, you'll get a couple of emails. Hey, let's schedule a call. We want to help you. And you don't hear from them after that, right? Do you guys have anything else that you guys are, you know, continuously um, talking yeah, to your customers? Yeah, yeah, no, we are. And we, we have, um, you know, we have an onboarding process. We have an implementation process. And then we, um, you know, we will engage with them after that um, mm. on, on a fairly regular basis. Um, and also then we obviously have services we offer to them. But yeah, it's about ongoing communication and making sure that, uh, making sure that the customers are getting the value out of the product. Mm, got it. So you're, you're a strong advocate when it comes to sales on really focusing on mindset first. Um, you have, the, I think I read this, positively influencing the mindset of salespeople and reminding them of their higher purpose to be, which is wealth creators and peace producer. Can you share exactly what that vision means to you and why is it important to focus on the mind fit, mindset first uh, of your team as if, if you're a sales manager or leader? Yeah, because I think uh, mindset will carry you through through a lot, and and I think that people don't pay enough attention to their own mindset. Because if you're going to be in if you're going to be in sales, obviously you're going to face a lot of obstacles, a lot of rejection, a lot of other stuff. Like this. So you have to be mentally quite strong. So I think mindset is incredibly important. And I think if you come from a service mindset, then it's not just for sales, but for the whole company. If you come from a mindset of, okay, how can I help this person? How can I help this company? How can I provide a solution that's going to to benefit them? And you put yourself in a service, in a service mindset. I think that's in, incredibly, incredibly important, and that will carry you through a lot. Because um, if you're coming at the point of view that I'm trying to help somebody, um, it's a lot easier to navigate the bumps in the road than than if you're just coming at it from the point of view of how can I close, how can I close this deal. Mm. 
So I think that that is that is incredibly important. And then I think the other thing is also to, you know, to help salespeople like have pride in what they do, because the reality is that they are they are the ones who who help to facilitate commerce and trade, you know, because when we're talking about selling and buying, I mean, it's trading and you can't uh basically if i'm going to trade with you right um it's not going to work out very well if we're fighting with each other right is it so i mean it's much mm-hmm. better that if we develop a mutual uh, a mutual respect and a win-win situation etc you know then we have we've created a great environment um but we've also helped to spread to the community as well because when people are trading when people are doing well i mean they're not fighting and as we see in the world today you know there's mm-hmm. uh, what happens when the opposite and the opposite happens? That's true. Do you, do you have any way or suggestions on how to prime kind of your mindset? Is it like you know at the beginning of the day you're getting them into some you know meditation technique? Are they are they reading some kind of mantra? Are they jumping up and down doing exercises and push-ups? Are they reading sales yeah. scripts? What what gets them pumped? What's some, what gets them in that yeah, mindset? Yeah, and and I think that's I think that's somewhat in, individual to people. But however, what mm. I would say is uh, is what you shouldn't start your day with, right? And I think that's <laughs> that's a problem of the world today. Is like do what do most people do when they wake up in the morning? Yeah, they jump on their phone. Yeah. Uh, they probably look at some whatever news site best reflects their their political point of view. They jump on that. And let's face it, news is now designed, is not designed to inform, it's designed to provoke, right? So, mm-hmm. so you start off the day, you know, you're already kind of like probably a little bit annoyed by some of the things you read. Maybe you go on social media then and then you get into the whole comparison thing and you think, oh my goodness, like, you know, Akil seems to, what a great life he's having and my life <laughs> sucks right now because I'm so... Already now, you've started your day with a bunch of negative inputs into your brain, right? Uh, so what I would encourage people to do is to look at how you start your day, to look at what inputs do you allow into your mind. And especially as a salesperson, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be, you know, prospecting or whatever, you don't need negativity in your mind you need like extreme positivity so i would say find something in the morning you know is there music that uplifts you is there exercise that you know pumps you up is there somebody that maybe you're better off talking to maybe your 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 partner your spouse whatever somebody who can pump you up but try and pay attention to how you start your day and what frame of mind you start in and really pay attention to getting yourself in a positive frame of mind and shutting out the the negative influences. So just like you wouldn't, most people, I would say you wouldn't start your day with cake and ice cream for breakfast, Mm. right? (laughs) I mean, maybe some people do, but generally speaking, you wouldn't. So why would you start your day with mental cake and ice cream? Mm, I love that. That's a, that's a good way. I mean, yeah, and there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you have to be careful on your social media, who you follow specifically, right? You can go on, on Twitter and you can easily get, you know, carried away with a lot of that negativity. So you can choose the positive. Yeah. A quick note from our sponsors today, and we'll be right back. Being a great manager has never been harder. The relationship between employees and their managers is the key driver of workplace productivity and engagement. We believe with the right tools, managers can be exceptional leaders. Work Patterns is designed to make team management easier than ever by enabling continuous one-on-one feedback, collaborative meetings, goal tracking, and workflow management all in one place. Whether you're a manager struggling to stay on top of things or a CEO whose organization has outgrown its systems, visit workpatterns.com to see how they can help. Now, back to the show. 
kind of talking about closing deals when it comes to B2B SaaS. Um, you know, so there's, there's one side where you're working with, you know, C-level executives, you know, that becomes critical. What, do you have any kind of best practices your sales teams are leveraging and would say is different to closing with CEOs over maybe a different, you know, mid-management segment of, of who you're working with? Is there, is there any differences? If so? Yeah, I mean, I think there is. I mean, I think you have to look at um, uh, you have to you have to look at the role, and you have to look at what's important to them, right? So, you know, uh, obviously, if you're if you're dealing with a, a CEO, you're dealing with somebody who is overlooking the whole of the organization and how the whole organization operates. So, you need to start off at a at a much higher level and uh, and on on and make sure that you understand what the initiatives are for the business because that's where the CEO is coming from. The second part, I think, with with CEO or C-level people is, as I said, you need to have some confidence that you're meeting them as a peer, right? So peer to peer and not like as a subordinate, as a, you know, something subordinate to them. That's really important as well, because that's what they want to see. They, they're they looking for you to be an expert. I think at when you're at mid-level management or whatever, the, the considerations are maybe a little bit more um, focused in terms of like, these are things that directly impact them as opposed to maybe looking at it at a much higher level. So you have to dive a little deeper into that. And I think the other key important thing is, especially with middle management, is to understand that there's a business element and there's a human element. Because uh, in, in when you make a, a, a purchasing decision as a consumer, right, in B2C, right, there's, not, there's no real ramifications for you buying something crappy for yourself, right? You just wasted <laughs> right. money, okay? So yeah. you just made a stupid purchase. You know, maybe, you know, if I go and buy the latest, you know, 4K TV and stuff, you know, the, probably the most that's going to happen to me is my wife would hit me over the head with it for wasted <laughs> money. Um, but in a B2B situation, right, if I make a purchasing decision, I'm putting my stamp on it. So now it's going to be considered, oh, John bought that CRM or John, even though there may have been a load of other people involved in the decision, there's always somebody who is associated with. So I think you have to understand that uh, there is a lot of emotion uh, that goes into it, that goes into the purchase. So you have to make sure that you can help that person who's making that decision feel comfortable that they're making the right decision, support them, and then support them after the purchase. Because that's often the, the point where suddenly, you know, the purchaser feels a little bit alone. So I would say when you're dealing with C-level, I would say you have to be at a very strategic level. You have to be very confident, good business acumen, understanding, really understand the business, understand the hot buttons for the CEO, what, this, what the business initiatives are. When you're at a when you're at a, a mid-level management, like really understand the initiatives, obviously, of, of that department or that head or whatever, but also understand that they're also navigating within their own organization. So how you can support them and make sure that uh, that they feel comfortable moving forward. Mm. And, and how does that change when you're kind of comparing, you know, enterprise level versus, you know, working with SMB? So you mentioned a CEO, mid-management, enterprise level. I imagine there's a lot more people involved in the decision um, yeah. Anything else you've seen kind of in, in how that's presented? Yeah, no, I think uh, at, at Enterprise, yeah, there's a lot more people involved in the decision. So you have mm. to. So one of the things that we built into uh, into Pipeliner CRM is we have our org chart and we have a buying center and we have relationship graphs. So basically, and these are all visual. So basically what you can do is you can go in and you can build the organization structure of, of mm. the company and even including external people like consultants and, you know, and the level of influence and all of that. 
that. And then you can go to the actual opportunity you're working on. And because let's face it, like sometimes somebody lower on the organization chart may actually have a higher level of influence on the purchasing decision for a particular item. So you can build out the political map of who they you know, what roles do different people play in the buying process? Who's a supporter? Who's a naysayer? Who's maybe an, an influencer? All of that kind of stuff, even external. And I think that's the part when you're dealing with larger enterprise com- companies is you really need to know who's involved in not just the buying decision, but influencing that decision. You need to in, uh, you need to identify them and understand them. That's the only way you can, you know, if there's a major naysayer in there, you need to figure out, a, you know, a, a mitigation strategy for, for that. If there's, a, if there's somebody who is an influencer, but they're slightly off here, you got to figure out how you can best leverage them in the process. So it's really about understanding the landscape. And, and I think that's where sometimes people fall down a bit, particularly if they've come from, you know, SMB sales and they're moving up is they tend to latch on to one or two contacts and kind of hold on to them for dear life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in, in the larger, larger enterprise selling, that's, that's not going to, that's not going to work. Mm. That's, and that's the difference between what makes you guys stand out from the rest, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. a perfect, I, never, I would never have thought of that, but that makes perfect sense. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a huge part is being able to visualize and, and identify all the relationships. And especially now, the one other thing I just want to touch upon is because um, things have evolved as well is where you can, you can be working or, or selling to an organization, right? And it's not just the people in the organization. Maybe there are consultants involved or outside contractors. There's a lot more of that going on right now. Um, and they tend to be quite integrated. So if you're not, if you're not looking at the influence of those people as well and you're not factoring them into the buying process, you could actually find yourself being a little derailed. Mm, that's, that's a good point. Uh, when it comes to measuring performance of your sales team, uh, you know, there's one thing is where you're measuring, okay, actually quota sales made. Anything else, uh, what kind of metrics or KPIs you're generally looking at when, you know, managing your own sales team and how are you guys measuring it? Yeah. So, uh, again, you know, with, with our CRM system, with Pipeliner CRM, I mean, we have a very robust reporting engine, so you can pretty much report and track anything that you want. Uh, but for, for salespeople, I would say it, it's important that you look at your sales process. You look at the velocity. So how long it should, should uh, opportunities stay in each stage? That's one measurement where you can look at salespeople who's, who's getting their opportunities to the pipeliner in, in, in the prop or velocity um, and then building in we build in steps uh, within each stage of the sales process there's things that salespeople need to do or find out in order to move to the next stage so it's very easy for us to not just track uh, our opportunities our opportunities moving our opportunities closing but actually everything that's happening along the process can be can be tracked and monitored as well which then which then helps you have a more uniform sales process that people are following, that people are are doing the right things at the right points. And that's where we really see success. And and research has shown this. I mean, ZS Associates, I think McKinsey and stuff have done report, have done research in the past that show that companies, the top performing companies in sales have a well-defined sales process, one that has defined steps within each stage of the process. And most importantly, is enforced with rigor. Mm. 
And I think that's the, that's the key part. Then you can measure each part of it and you can have different KPIs for, you know, each part of the process. But if you don't have a well-defined sales process and, and, and things that should happen within each, within each step of that sales so that you got that kind of uniformity. So that means that at the end of the day, if I have an opportunity in stage three and you have an opportunity in stage three, they're both, that's where they both belong, as opposed to a lot of uh, other systems and people, you know, it's left a little bit more to our discretion. So mine might be in stage two and yours in stage three. So therefore, there's no real consistency. Mm. So talking about those stages, right? Let's say you've spoke with a lead and they've moved to, I don't know, stage three or stage four, whatever that is mm-hmm. in your process. We're talking about they've completed, a pro- they've asked for a proposal, they've completed a demo. Um, and then they kind of ghost you, you know, you do your follow-ups, uh, you know, from ghosting, I mean, they just don't, they just don't get back to you from, you know, you follow yeah. up with them, you, you know, SaaS companies, you, you send a message, message, and you know, they could simply say, no, I'm not interested, but they never reply. How do you generally kind of handle that? And, and what do you generally think went wrong when you look at that entire process there? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, and, and one that's, there's no easy answer to, to be, to be frank. Uh, well, I think it's a couple of things. Number one is when, when, when suddenly things go quiet like that, one of the first things that you should maybe ask yourself is maybe go back and look at the process that you've been through for so far. Make sure, have you actually followed the process, right? Is there anything that you missed? Uh, and I always encourage people, are there points when maybe you put on your happy ears and you heard something or interpreted something that perhaps you should have clarified instead? So maybe I heard you say something to me and I interpreted very positively and move on, but really I should have questioned it. I should have validated it with you. And so I moved on in the process. So that's one thing I would always go back and look at. Did you really follow the process? Did you, did you, um, every step, did you get all the information? Did you validate everything? Okay. And if you said, if you discover that maybe you took a couple of shortcuts here and there, well, then that's probably your answer right there. The other thing is, unfortunately, um, we, we, and, and you just alluded to this. We live in this world where people don't feel obliged to, to reply or don't feel obliged to, uh, you know, to give you any information and are quite happy just to move on. And it's kind of sad. I mean, I think it's a sad state of affairs. I get it. People feel like they're busy and they're overwhelmed and everything. But, you know, you could spare a couple of seconds to say to somebody, listen, we've decided not to move on with you. And here's why. I mean, I get it that it's easier just to ghost, as you said. Um, (laughs) But it's not. But I think it's I think it's a real it's a real shame that people don't realize that, you know, how tough that is on the person on the other end, especially if you've been engaging with them and then you suddenly go completely quiet and they're left scratching their heads because you could come up with like 50 million different uh, potential reasons why. So I think that's it. The first thing is make sure you didn't make any mistakes. And if you said, yeah, I've done everything, I executed everything properly and all of that. I mean, I think it's 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 entirely reasonable to, you know, to reach out and ask them actually and be be a little bit maybe forward with, or blunt with it and just say, listen, you know, I really would appreciate a, some feedback here. You know, I have mm-hmm. invested a lot of time in this process. If you've decided to move on with somebody else or there's nothing else I can do, can you just let me know so I can, I can uh, you know, move you out of my my pipeline, mm-hmm. if you like. Um, other than that, though, I don't know if there's any, I don't know if there's any a really good answer to this because it's something sure. that I know everybody, everybody, everybody struggles with. So mm-hmm. maybe the best thing would be, uh, and I tried to, my, I mean, I don't always 
achieve it myself. But I try nowadays when somebody asks, you know, when I engage with somebody in a, who's trying to sell something to me, if I'm not going to buy it, I try to be as... Uh, as upfront and open as possible at the end or say, listen, no, I'm not going to move forward or whatever, just out of courtesy. And I would just really encourage anybody out there. Uh, you may be watching this as a salesperson, but I bet you, you're also a buyer at times. So <laughs> be kind, be kind to salespeople and, and sometimes, and just give them the feedback. If you're not going to go with them, just give them the feedback because it's, it's just, for me, it's a, it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate byproduct of the world we live in today this whole idea of ghosting once upon a time it would that would have just been considered extremely rude yeah. now it's considered now it's considered like a a tactic or something i mean i don't get it it's probably my I, don't, age. I don't either i, I still consider it rude <laughs> especially when you when they request so many you know uh -huh. put this together hey can you give me examples can you show me this can you put this together and then at the end you spend all this time and hours and then it's like, dude, the, 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 all I ask is just say, hey, I'm not interested. So I can move on in peace, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrible. I mean, like I said, it's, it's just a disappointing the way the world has, has developed because I think there is, um, I just think manners, yeah. yeah, Man yeah manners, that's, that's manners aren't held in the high regard they should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When, when it comes to growth strategy, you know, you mentioned at the beginning, uh, you know, very product-led, growth-driven. Is there anything else you guys are doing, you know, differently or focusing on today for acquiring more users and anything else that's worked best for marketing and, and user acquisition that you can share? Um, yeah, like I said at the beginning, is like our, mark, our our content marketing strategy is very robust, as you said. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have sales pop and, uh, you know, we, in fact, we just did, uh, you know, Pipeliner and sales pop. We just did a global event the other day on trust. Uh, so we do live global events. We bring in thought leaders from across the globe uh, to talk about issues that are important. Uh, like we did resilience. We did trust. We're coming up now with customer experience. We did a bunch last year as well. So, um, and then we go out and find the, the best experts and, and thought leaders out there and we bring really solid content to people and that attracts people to us as well because they realize that we're not just about uh, you know selling a CRM platform we're also about education we're about improvement we're really about helping people be the best they can they can be and that has been a very good uh, strategy for us because it's something that we passionately believe in. So it's not a contrived strategy. And I think that's the key thing is mm -hmm. when you go to market, go to market, you can go to market with the, you can come up with some clever or contrived strategy, or you can come one with, with real passion and honesty. And that's the approach we took. We wanted, we want our product to be the best product that it can possibly be. And we believe it is. And that's why we invested so much time and energy and resources in developing the platform. But we also want to, we also want people to improve and, and get better at sales. And, and, and as I said earlier, get the respect that they, they deserve. So it's something we believe passionately about. We've even partnered with DePaul University in, in Chicago. Uh, and their, their sales undergrad program is powered by, by Pipeliner and they use it in class so that these, uh, you know, undergrads who are learning to be salespeople, actually learning to use CRM and that and to use Pipeliner. So it's something that we're passionate about. And I think that's the key is, I think people see through fluff quite quickly today. And there's a lot of it about, and I think that's probably why, because we're very familiar with what fluff looks like. Mm -hmm. I think what, what people really... Um, 
are attracted to is a real passion and a real honesty around it. And I think that's where we're coming from. We come from a real passion and a real honesty to to help to deliver the best product, but also to help people be the best that they can be and partner with them. And that's a strategy that's worked very, very well for us. So I think that shines through in the end is, is your belief and your passion in the product. Because at the end of the day, let's face it, if I'm not if I'm not passionate about my product or service, why why should I expect you to be interested in it? Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll show uh, yeah, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that idea of, you know, partnering with universities, having them use it as part of their training of their, their graduate program. And then when they go out to, to the sale, to the force, you know, workforce, they actually continue to use it and adopt it and, and train other people. Um, is there any growth strategies that you've tried and maybe have failed or haven't worked and wouldn't do again? Maybe just one or two? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes we've done some of the more traditional things that, uh, you know, that other people have done, you know, we're you know, trying advertising and things like that. But to be honest, at the end of the day, uh, we opted out of that because you need to pump a ton of money into it. And it's become yeah. to the point where it's prohibitive for most organizations and kind of it's self-perpetuating too. It's mm-hmm. like, um, everybody does the same thing. As I said earlier, you know, they get seed money or they get um, series A or series B and they just, and it's almost like it's a pass through to Google because they basically get this money from the VC and then immediately goes to Google ads and suddenly <laughs> it's just, and it's just a rate. And then, the, and the price of everything just goes skyrockets and people get confused and all of that. And then they end up, uh, you know, going to review sites or whatever. And, uh, and that's where we found it to be more effective is, uh, you know, we make sure that we're well represented on third party review sites and and that we make sure that you know because we've got great customers and all of that that we have plenty of of uh, reviews and that so that people can get an understanding from third parties but I, I think the whole the whole like retarget marketing and and the you know uh, extensive advertising and all of that kind of stuff is something that um, I don't see great huge amounts of value in it anymore because the prices have been driven so high and it's so it's so competitive and i think people are kind of tuned out to be honest Mm. yeah makes sense um kind of shifting gears here i'd like to kind of go move towards kind of the the rapid fire questions obviously you can take your time here but just to to kind of get it's more personal um what's one advice you wish you had known and would tell your 25 year old self knowing what you know today uh, yeah, I think the only one piece of advice I would get is just, you know, continue to be to be open minded and jump on on any opportunity that prevent that presents itself. And don't worry about because uh, one of the things I come across a lot is about it's not so much fear of failure. It's actually fear of success. It's like yes. when people get an opportunity and then they're like, oh, this is fantastic. But if I get this then maybe I'll have to move or maybe I'll have to change this. And they talk themselves out of even even ever applying for it. So the one piece of advice I would give my 25-year-old self or anybody else is be open, take opportunities because you just never know where they will lead to. And don't worry about, don't worry about all the ifs and buts. Like get the opportunity first and then worry about those. Mm, I figure it out. Yeah, I love that. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you're currently facing in order to continue to grow a pipeline or what, you know, Meaning, what what is keeping you up at night these days? Um, poof, keep me up at night, um, and, and and nothing in particular. I mean, I think uh, the, the the biggest challenge is the one that you alluded to earlier. Is that the fact that it's a 
it, it appears on the surface to be a very crowded space and there's a lot of people. So there's a lot of conflicting information out there. And that's the hardest thing. There's a lot of noise. And I think that's the toughest mm-hmm. thing, thing to, to break through. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're managing to do it, but I mean, I do wish that people were a little bit more discerning in defining CRM and what CRM really is, et cetera, and all of that. But, but that is the, that is the hardest part is just breaking through the noise and getting, because once we get our product in front of people, they're like, wow, this is amazing. How come we've never seen this before? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is breaking, breaking, breaking through the noise. But I do think, um, you know, we're, we're making great progress in there. And, you know, we've had, uh, um, even 2020, we had a, we had a great growth year and, uh, you know, great growth year in t- to that, um, every year in 2019, 2020, we're on target for more growth this year. So, um, our, our strategy is paying off, but yeah, I would say that's the, that's the, the most difficult challenge is, is the amount of noise and the ill definition of the space, I think. Right. Who or what are, would you say are the best three resources? It could be books, it could be people, mentors, or people you follow. Uh, who you'd say have been the most instrumental to your success over, over these last few years? Um, I think the book, I mean, I think Good to Great, you know, that book, uh, Jim Con- that, that's one I just think everybody should read, regardless of whether you're going to start a company or not, regardless of what position you are in a company, because I think it gives you great insight into how companies evolve, but also into, as we know, like the hedgehog concept and all of that and the flywheel. I think that stuff is so fantastic. It, to me, it's still probably um, the best um, business book um, you know, ever written. So I would really highly recommend people read that. Um, I would recommend SalesPop as a resource just because, not not because it's ours, just because the amount of phenomenal interviews and, and, and thought leadership that's in there is, is really fantastic. And it's apart from you know, mentors or people who influenced me. Like I was, I was privileged to spend some time with Neil Rackham, who who wrote Spin Selling and who who did the original research. So that that was, and actually even go on a sales uh, and a sales call with him one time, which when I asked him to come along with me, which was uh, which was great as well. Um, so it's a so yeah, I would say like you know Neil was Neil was a great influence, and uh, yeah, I, w- I would say those are those are the key influences. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I love that book. Good to great. Jim Collins. Uh, we'll add that on the show, yeah. no- show notes. If you guys haven't already read it, you guys should definitely yeah, check you it should out. Re- you should just read it because it's an, it's an easy read and, it, and it's quite... Um, and the insights that it'll give you are powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, what does success mean to you today? Whether that's personally, financially, business, life, you know, no, no right answer. <laughs> Yeah. That, uh, well, I think uh, number one success is family. Obviously, uh, I think you know that that's the way it should be. You know, whatever your definition of family is, or your you know the the thing around you. I think being adding adding some positive energy to the world uh, and influencing those around you in a positive way, uh, because I think people spend too much time. Uh, pontificating and posting online about big, mega, macro, global issues instead of focusing on just being the best, you know, partner you can be, being the best parent you can be, being the best like person in your community, whatever. So for me, success mm. is about building, is about influencing those around you in a positive way and building the best family that you can possibly build. And then beyond that, I think success uh, now is bringing Pipeliner to a, a wider a wider community, not just because it's our product, because I truly believe that this is the product that will help uh, help so many organizations and so many sales leaders and salespeople across the globe. So continuing to, continuing to grow is another measure of success. But I would say most important is, is 
to influence positively those you come in contact with. That's success mm. for me. Day to day, simple things. You don't need to wait for yeah. the future to happen. It can happen exactly. right now. Exactly. Exactly. It, John. Uh, John, where can our founders get in touch with you, learn more about you and, and, and Pipeline? This has been great. I, I've enjoyed this. Um, yeah, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, John Golden. I'm, I'm pretty active there. You can contact me through salespop. That's salespop.net. Uh, you can get me through pipelinersales.com as well, which is, a, uh, I would encourage you to sign up and take a, uh, take a trial of a Pipeliner if you haven't already. So you see it, see it for yourself. But yeah, please reach out to me. Send me a connection on LinkedIn. Um, you know, check out salespop. But yeah, I'm always interested in hearing from anybody. And if I can help, I certainly will. Thanks. Thanks, John. We'll add those uh, to our show notes. People can say hi to, to John. Thank you so much for, for yeah. jumping on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, listen, thanks for having me. Great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, cheers. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com. And myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.